that the man who made this miracle was touched by God. He's young, too young to be the abbot of this hilltop cloister, master of a vaulted study lined with books whose brass clasps shimmer in the golden autumn light. Nor does Peter Sheffer like the glint of satisfaction in his eyes. Although he knows why it is there, Tertemius has netted him at last, has drawn the celebrated printer up to his own abbey after many tries. I plan to write it all, the abbot says, and lifts an arm to circumscribe the library, the thick stone keep, the Rhineland down below. A chronicle of all that has transpired here in this blessed time, none of more import, surely, than this great invention in which you, sir, played a part. He uses me to make his reputation, Peter thinks. Is this how chronicles are made? the story told to those who'd make their name by those whom time and fate have unaccountably left standing. On his way into the abbey, he and the abbot wove through courtyards past the chapel to the open cloister walk where even now the monks sit writing, backs bent, desks positioned to receive the slanting harvest sun. How long it's been, Peter remarked, surprised, since he has seen a group of Benedictine brothers in such busy, scratching rows. Once, every cloister of the great monastic orders had scriptoria where God's word flowed from hand to parchment, but hardly any now survive. The abbot did not even break his stride. They curse me for it, he said with a tight smile, and protest that the printing press should spare them this hard drudgery. Peter has brought books from his own press to give to Sponheim, mainly standard works of liturgy and law. His thoughts have started turning to the prayers the monks will say in thanks when his soul nears its time. Tertemius receives these printed volumes greedily, though his own shelves are filled with handwork of the scribes. He strokes their leather bindings and fixes Peter once again with his light, intense eyes. You are the only one who knows the truth, now that both Johans have been called home to God. Johann Gutenberg, he means, and Johann Fust. Peter Schäffer's mind is clear, his fingers as strong as they have ever been. He's over sixty now, a father to four sons, and the wealthy founder of the greatest printing house in all of Germany. A lean, tall man, he wears a close-cropped silver beard on his narrow, sober face. The truth. He smiles. Much has been said in the decades since, but almost none of it is true. They've practically canonized the man who found this wondrous art. How Gutenberg would laugh if he could see them from above. Or else below. The final disposition of the master's soul is far from certain. They say he died in penury, abandoned and betrayed. The abbot's voice turns hard. Well, Peter Sheffer knows the charge, that it was he and Fust, his foster father, who wrenched the Bible workshop from the master and robbed him of his whole life's work. For years he's borne the slander of this heinous accusation. It is a lie. His voice is clipped. He died a member of Archbishop Adolf's court, highly praised and well attended. While your own firm went on and prospered. Success, dear brother, is no crime. He gives the monk a piercing look.
Betrayals there were, certainly, but not how people think. Then there's a tale to tell indeed. The abbot moves toward the window where he stays a moment, lost in, or feigning, thought. His plain black habit hangs on his large frame like fabric on a birdcage. We have a duty, don't you think? Tritemius looks back. A duty to the past and to the future? Though more than thirty years have passed, Peter is loath to blacken the master's name. Deep down, he still must love the madman, Gutenberg, that burning, brutal genius who tore down as much as he created, who took the credit, always, regardless of whether it was due. He conceived the craft and forged the metal letters before anybody else. This none could reasonably deny. But without Peter and his father, that great Bible would never...